90s footy fans, welcome to another episode of the 90s Club Footy Podcast. This week, our guest is former Richmond and Port Adelaide small forward, Chris Naish. Chris, an inventive and clever small forward from Wangaratta, was drafted by the Richmond Tigers with pick five in the 1988 VFL National Draft. Chris made his debut with the Tigers in the 1990 season and then went on to play 143 games in the yellow and black, kicking 212 goals. At the end of the 1997 season, Chris was traded to South Australia and played with the Port Adelaide Power for two seasons, adding a further 18 games and 16 goals to his tally. In this episode, Chris talks about delaying his AFL journey to finish high school, his early years at the Tigers, roving to some of the club's best forwards, playing state of origin football, the Tigers coaching landscape during the 90s, almost heading to the Sydney Swans, playing in an AFL Reserves Premiership and playing with Port Adelaide. I hope you enjoy the 75th member of the 90s Club Footy Podcast, Chris Naish. Chris Naish, thank you for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. Great to have you on, mate. I'm looking forward to reflecting on your footy journey. Yeah, good on you, Trent. Great to join you. Looking forward to it. Mate, before we chat all things footy, and we've got a lot to talk about during your career at Richmond and also Port Adelaide, uh, what are you doing with yourself currently, mate? And do you still have any footy involvement? Look, I guess post-footy, I've, I've had four children and um, chasing them around, uh, watching football and sport has been a almost a full-time uh, job, mate, on the weekends. Um, but look, I, look, I coached uh, post my football career and uh, it's only been really this year that I haven't done anything. Um, my 22-year-old son was up playing with Wangaratta Rovers uh, over the last three or four years, and I helped out assistant coaching them uh, every Saturday in, um, what are we now, oh, COVID-affected year and then 2022. Yeah, so always had a hand in it, but I pretty much chased the kids around. Was that with Darren Creswell at the helm up at the Wang Rovers? Or? Yeah, <laughs> Creswell was the coach, yeah, and uh, they're a great football mind. And uh, the team did really well last year, making it to the prelim and just going down to Yarrawonga in, in the prelim final. So, um, and my, my nephew was the the senior assistant coach as well. So there's probably a couple of family ties that um, made me help out as well. And, and I used to play on Creza and uh, we actually played in the Teal Cup against each other when he was a Tassie and I was with Victoria. So we'd often reflect on uh, some of those earlier days, mate, of, of, of football. <laughs> hey, mate, your journey started with the Richmond Football Club at the end of 1988. So you were selected with pick five in the VFL draft. Can you recall how you found out being drafted that day and what were your feelings after being selected by the Tigers? Yeah, so at the time, Trent, um, Richmond was really battling and, you know, to try and win a game was was um, was was pretty much hard work. And, and I was a one-eyed Collingwood fan and – played with the Wangaratta Magpies. So black and white was certainly in, in my veins. And um, but there was certainly no interest from the pies. Um and 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 when Richmond uh, and how I found out, mate, is the um the school principal uh, got the phone call 
<laughs> he wrote it on a piece of paper and handed it to my science teacher and said, oh, Chris, guess what? I stopped the class. Richmond just picked you up with number five. So you go into the Tigers and the whole class broke up and um, and that was it, mate. That seriously was it. And then uh, I think the um, the football manager may have rung just after that and uh, the, the, the journey commenced. Although I'll throw in a story that uh, at the time there was um, Cameron Schwab was the recruiting manager, uh, not CEO yet. Uh, Kevin Bartlett was the coach and... Um, a fellow by the name of, of Doug Vickers, um, who may have grown up uh, down your way as well, mate, um, somewhere down there in, in Warrnambool area. And 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 my, my older brother was a one-eyed Richmond fan. And so those three come to our house and Barry Rollings. And I was showing not a lot of interest at the time because I, I, I was black and white, right? Yeah. And my brother bounced in with his Richmond jumper on and, and you know, Carrying on, and, and KB actually said, "Are we talking to the right nation here? Why don't we pick his younger brother, his older brother, who was who was a lot shorter than I might add?" And uh, uh, but that was a, a bit of a funny story in the early commencement of my journey at Richmond. And mate, you didn't go straight away to Richmond. I'm led to believe. Did you stay home and for your studies in 1989 before fully going down in the 90s? Or yeah, and and probably to understand to bring that into perspective. I mean. Uh, yeah, it was certainly finishing school was a priority, uh, finishing year 12 the following year. Um, and I was really enjoying my time playing senior football uh, from a young age at, at Wangaratta. And there wasn't a lot of incentive to come to Melbourne, mate, to be honest. I was with my mates. Um, I was finishing off year 12. Um, certainly financially there was no, back then there wasn't a lot of money uh, really, to, to not, not that you play for money, but back then it made a lot of sense just to finish school um, finish off with my mates and my friends and my family and then wander down. But having said that, I played about, um, just to get the train down, mate, I played about seven or eight reserves games and, uh, you know, the old Junction uh, Oval, I played there. Uh, may have even played one game at Glenferry Oval. That might surprise a few because it was still operating then just. Um, but, yeah, had seven or eight uh, reserves games in 1989 which and, and loved it. And you must have made an impression in that pre-season leading into the 90s season, mate, because you made your debut in round one against the Brisbane Bears. How did you find out that you were going to make your debut? Can you remember the, the conversation that was made your way from KB? And, and do you remember much from the day? Uh, only, you know, Brisbane, Craig Lambert started a couple of fights back then, and back then it was all in. And and so there was a couple of nice fights. I mean, it was a, it was a, at Carrara at the time. Uh, it was a slippery evening, and certainly Brisbane had uh, a lot of men playing. That, that they had a very senior team in, and uh, they they were just too strong for us in, in the end, was my recollection. But the, so I, I guess playing against men at Ovens and Murray Footy, I wasn't too buoyed by that. Mm. Um, it was probably the physicality um, in terms of um, uh, the the unwillingness of both teams to have a couple of all in brawls, which was uh, quite a surprise to me at the time. You would have been taking on blokes like um, Ishenko, I reckon, wouldn't you? But we, we, it would have been running around back yeah. then for the Brisbane Bears. Johnny well, that's Gastel. right, man. Like Mark Zanotti, John Gastov, um, uh, Mark Williams, who ended up coaching me at Port Adelaide, was playing that that day. Um, yeah, they had very, you know, for, for the Bears who were battling all the time, they certainly had the better of us that night. So, um, and, and the other thing too, mate, is, you know, you're a young kid coming from the country and, 
it's a, one of the first interstate trips, um, you know, that, you, that you're on and there's all this free food available, mate. So you, you actually <laughs> gut yourself and you, you actually over, overeat before the game. And so I remember running out with, oh, I think I've eaten too much um, for this game. So that, honestly, mate, that were my first recollections. And um, KB giving me the nod. Yeah, I did have a good preseason and they were very encouraged. Um, and they wanted me to learn more under Dale Waitman as well. And, and the likes of Craig Lambert um, and Tony Free, who were coming through the ranks and exposed me to senior footy at, at, at an AR, well, VFL level at the time, very early on. Only 15 metres out from Richmond's goal. The Tigers trailing by four points. Oh, Nash loves these snapshots oh. on the run. Beautiful goal! Nash has kicked at Richmond in front. You played a handful of games in 1990, Nashi. Then you got a when you got your sort of taste of AFL footy. Then in 1991, you played 20 games. So what sort of changed from 1990 to 1991 to be a regular staple of that Tigers team? Yeah, I, I guess the learnings upon reflection. Um, I got a dose of senior footy early and realised, um, you know, the pace and what really your body and the condition that you needed to be in to play good, consistent um, football and. I think to be fair, I, I started training uh, during the grand final week at the end of 1990, and went on a you know a pretty strong running program. Um, my diet certainly trimmed up. Just the learnings that you learn in the first 18 months of your, yeah. of your playing career, and then you know felt I was really equipped for 1991 um, to go and have a good year, and uh, managed to end up playing for Victoria that year as well, um, and and really. Uh, probably the lesson and the learnings for me was was you know the discipline and the hard work required from country footy to them playing a few AFL games, but then actually did you want to be good at it? Like did you want to make a difference and have impact? And and I guess the disciplines involved of of, of diet, the the rigors of, of training, coming up the next day and training just as hard um, were, were the greatest learnings. And for any young person listening, I don't think those principles uh, change today either. Mate, that year you had some terrific games in 1991. I reckon you had a few hauls of fours and fives, but that game against Geelong where you bagged six and you had 24 touches, was that one of your greatest performances over your career? Yeah, I think I think if you look back, it, it was. And, um, you know, in those days, mate, you, you, you is one-on-one footy. And so probably... Um, what I was most proud of, Andrew Buse. I was on Andrew Buse all day, who was the Victorian captain at the time and one of the hardest sort of nuts to play on and a terrific footballer and terrific competitor and a, a terrific person too. Um, but I can remember, I think my last three goals, I got a nice little whack in the back of the head um, just to remind me to sl- slow down and stop doing it. Um, so he very much gave me a hard time, which actually made me play better. I really enjoyed that. Um, but at the end of the game, mate, he really just looked me in the eye and said, well done, son, you should be really proud of how you played today. So that, that was the spirit of the game and how it was played back then, hard, fair, uh, tough. But that game um, out at Waverley, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was at Waverley. Um, yeah, I actually loved that game. It was, it was a beauty, but more so the learning from an older player like Andrew Buse as well. 91, you, as you said before, you were noticed by the State of Origin selectors representing the Big V once that year. That must have been a huge thrill, mate. And, um, yeah, what, what are your memories of that game? Oh, the memories were going into the change rooms during training and 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 rubbing shoulders with Lockett and Ablett, um, you know, EJ Witten, and it, in many ways, mate, it was it was daunting the the amount of talent that was in 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 the locker room before you went out and trained. And 
back then, mate, we actually trained on the MCG. So you had the best footballers in in, <laughs> in the state. Um, you didn't you, – you, you had – and it was offensive footy because you had two of the greats that you were kicking to up in the forward line. And, um, mate, it was bliss really. I mean, at the age of 20 and, and you're rubbing shoulders with the best and – and then having a, having a yarn and having a bit of a joke as well, and in the in the um, you know in the breaks at training, so you got a, a real sense that um, this is how the elite, this is how the elite train, this is who they are, and and that's all part of enjoying the game of footy as well to really get to know your teammates, and um, they're just human and they want to connect with you and they want to have fun and they want to enjoy it. No I matter mean, if you're Tony Lockett or, or whoever is on on the track, so for me it was. Um, yeah, certainly starstruck, but it was really enjoyable to learn from the greats. Throughout your career, mate, you crumbed, you rove, you set up a lot of good footy alongside some of the great key targets. And I speak of Jeff Hogg, Matty Richardson, Benny Gale, David Cloak. Out of those sort of forwards or bigger forwards, who did you feel like you had the best synergy with? Probably probably Brendan Gale. Um, I mean, at the time, he would be uh, the battering ram at centre forward. and. And also his 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 ruck work in the forward line was was I would say uh, uh, underestimated um, by many. The, you generally have the ruckman who'd sit behind the ball, and Benny would do all the forward work craft um, and trying to you know orchestrate cr- crumbing goals. So yeah, I I'd have to say Benny um, probably doesn't get you know post footy's unbelievable administrator and and a great sports sports leader. Um, but you know he's very clever football, very forward thinking in his approach as well. Um, Richo was just unpredictable. I, in fact, most of the time I spent laughing and um, just in measuring how how freakish he was with his ability. And 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 to be really really honest, mate, he was the hardest to play with because I just didn't know what he was going to do. <laughs> and, and so you might have a set play, and we're doing this, and I'm being so respectful to Richo because because I love him. Um, but at times, mate, he just said, no, "I'm doing this." And I'm sitting on the heads on the other side of the field of where we should be going. And uh, more often than not, it, it would pay off. Uh, and um, for, for a crumbing forward, mate, and, and you're looking for predictability, you didn't get that with Richo. Um, and that's what made him great. And, uh, and and Cloakie, I'll never forget, I think he kicked seven in almost his last game of footy against Carlton at the MCG. And he was lining up 20 metres out, and I think he torped the ball for a goal, <laughs> which you don't see nowadays either. He tried to do a punt, but it ended up being a torpedo. Um, but but, but, but a, a really uh, a great character. Um, uh, I, I think those names you mentioned just uh, great competitors as well. The 90s was the decade where we all the focus was on the star forwards, you know, your Ablets and Dunstalls and Lockets and so forth. Was it hard playing that small forward role? And you look at it today, it's such a, a an important role with pressure and so forth, you know, when they haven't got the ball. But do you see much difference? And, and was it a hard role to play back then? Um, at times it would be, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, if you had players setting up behind the ball, and back then there was no six 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 rules either. Um, you could flood the back line. Uh, th- those days were tough, and it could be what they used to call you know starvation corner, playing on a half forward flank or, or indeed a forward pocket. Um, one of the you know the great um, sort of moves that John Northey would do for me is he he'd throw me on the ball for five minutes or throw me on the wing for for five or six minutes just to break it up a bit and then get back to doing what what you're in the team to do and that's crumb and and 
And we so certainly he 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 noticed where it was flat for for a half forward, and he and he changed it up a bit. Um, I guess back then, mate, it was a lot more predictable. Um, you, you did have your true centre half forward and your true full forward. Uh, you know, Low and Lockett, for example. Um, so in many ways, if you if you if you're cunning and crafty, you, you knew generally where the ball could be going, um, rather than switch as we see today and go around the arc and switch and then open up the fat side and then enter the other side. So uh, in many ways, it was half back wing and you knew it was going to the full forward. So um, for me, mate, if, if you read that and 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 probably Richo should be playing today, mate, because he had the ability to to go both sides yeah. all the time. Um, but at the, in saying that, you still had the time, you still had to read it off the pack and you still had to kick it through the, the big stick. So probably the same principles apply, but um, I would say it was a little bit more predictable. However, I wouldn't mind being a forward today, mate, as Absolutely. a small forward, because the zones that they have, I mean, you're pretty much on your own. Yeah. So if you're thinking your way through a game of footy, you should get to the spaces where you can get to to actually be more effective. So uh, I've often pondered that. Not that my body would even consider <laughs> playing now, mate, but uh, I think if you if you if you're a heady player and you think through your situation, um, and and you know you see Papling now, like. You watch Papley play, and he is smart. He is clever, uh, but sometimes your heart—it's hard to believe that no one's on him too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Nace, you had five coaches during your time at Richmond. Was it frustrating that the club didn't have much continuity over those, you know, seven or eight years when you were there, like initially? Because you know you would have oh, stuck under one coach, and then obviously the next coach comes in, and so forth. That must have been a little bit frustrating for the playing group. Yeah, absolutely, Trent. I mean, I mean. Um, it's like having an, a, a new boss every 18 months and you're just getting into a rhythm and then all of a sudden there's a change. And, yeah, no, to, to be really transparent, it, it was hard, it was difficult. And then you had to apply what the new coach's philosophy was, what he wanted out of you. Did, were you both on the same page? And you'd get into a rhythm and it generally take months to get that going. You'd start before, and then the rumblings were in town, you know, what, well, I'm not going to be playing for this bloke in, in, in the next in six months' time. So, yeah, it was incredibly frustrating. And then... The, the the we had a really good group growing together under John Norley. We had a young group um, who um, felt inspired by him. I wouldn't say um, he he was a tactical coach, but he had tactical people around him, and but he had that ability to to want to play for him and the club. And you know when they didn't renew his contract, that was incredibly frustrating for a young group of players as well, such as you know Stuart Bond, Matthew Knights, Tony Free. Uh, Stuart Maxfield, who went up and captain Sydney and and departed. So we had a young group and we're really growing together. Nick Nick Daffy, Wayne Campbell. Um, so yeah, it, it, upon reflection, mate, and I mean, you look at Damien Hardwick just leaving now and, and the stability that the administration and, and the board have put in place at Richmond. They reap the rewards from that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, from a playing perspective, it, it was hard. And but I guess back then, mate, you you, you know different, and you just keep playing. Uh, pretty much week to week, year to year. Uh, now, when I first arrived at the club, and I probably should have answered it, we, we were on Punt Road rattling tins for Save Our Skins campaign. That's right. Um, then you'd go back and you'd empty the tin out and, you know, you might have $200 worth of donations from that. And so, you know, the club just raised $2,500 from rattling the tins down Bridge Road and and Punt Road and Swan Street. That's that's just how it was. Um and so, yeah, we grew together as a young group and um, um, that instability certainly hurt us, though. There's a chance for Richmond again. 
It's taken by Naish. He loves to kick goals. Chris Naish, and he gets it. A great little goal scorer for Richmond. And the Tigers, with plenty of pace, lead 2-1 to Collingwood get the score. 95 must have been one that you reflect back on pretty fondly. Uh, your team made a, great, a preliminary final, but and it was the first um, final series for such a long time for you guys as well. Where did the improvement come from from 94? Like you showed some great signs in 94. Was there anything um, structurally, positionally, um, you know, was it just pre-season? What was it that sort of that helped you make the improvements that you did? Yeah, and I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to, to John Northey um, because in 93 he took over. We had a um, we had a football trip booked to um, uh, Asia. I think I can't, I can't remember exactly where. Uh, maybe yeah, and so we, we were going to go on a football trip, and he and he cancelled it. You know, pretty much his day one. He said, "No, we're not going to do that. We're going to use that money, and we're going to go on a training camp next preseason." And so we went to the Gold Coast. And so why I tell that story is he built the culture together of a young group of men uh, striving, not quite knowing their way yet as a group. Um, we had a lot of talent in the team and we're all very young, but he harnessed the group together. And so 94 after the training camp on the Gold Coast, uh, that, that was just one area that we improved on, but he he he, he galvanised the group and and had a bit of an us versus them mentality as well. Yeah. Uh, and for us, a lot of us young blokes, we resonated with that at the time. Um, just missed out on the finals uh, in 94, uh, but then again realised that as a young group, you know, the Carlton's had just beaten us and by two or three goals, or we had a we beat West Coast that year a couple of times, who end up winning the flag. So that preseason, I think we just trained like we've never trained before, uh, knowing that we could beat the best. And so we took that into '95, and I think, gee, I think the, I, I can't remember exactly. I think we were ten and one at the start of the year, something yeah. like that, um, because a young group of men had just built belief. The coach had entrusted some belief in us. And our game plan was okay, um, but I guess we knew we could beat the best, and and that's what took us on a bit of a journey. It was a tough final series. I think you dropped your first final, but then you obviously got a reprieve in the semi-final. Uh, you took on Essendon, who were playing a good brand of footy. Half time, you're trailing by five goals, and then you run out thirteen point victors to book a prelim final berth against the Cats. Like, what an amazing comeback! Yeah, it was, and um, you know, I mean. Essendon at the time had won the, the baby baby bonds and won it in '93. Um, had a very talented team and they were young as well. Mercedes, Mercury, Wanganine, uh, Alessia. They had a lot of good players and young players in their team as well. Um, again, there's nothing really at half time other than you know a young group of men who just looked at each other at half time and said we knew that wasn't good enough. Um, so let's let's just let's just go for it no matter what. We had nothing to lose when I think we're 38, 40 points down. At at half time, and and we and we turned the tables, and it helped that a, a big Scotty Turner uh, used his weight, uh, who obviously went on to coach down Warnable Way. Um, post his uh, Richmond days, he uh, threw his weight around a little bit, and um, and 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 a lot of the young blokes sprung up. And uh, I guess that's part of that belief, that culture of wanting to play for each other, wanting to feel connected to each other, and 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 obviously ha- ha- have fun together. I mean, that that's sort of was the impetus of that. Of that win, I read somewhere that uh, Sydney were keen on your services. I'm not sure what year it was, but it was um, at some stage in during that 1990s decade. How close were you going to the Swans? Or were you never that close to go? Like, where did discussions? Well, yeah, no, 
and I, well, I signed. I did sign to go, and I'll, I'll tell you the, the full story of how I signed. So obviously at the end of 95, we've had a really good year. Um, <clears throat> and I rang John Northey. I said, I want to come around and visit you to have a conversation. And because they started knocking on the door in, in probably the last six or seven weeks of the season in Sydney. And the day I rocked up to John Northey's house was the day that uh, all the cameras were at his house because Richmond hadn't renewed his um, <laughs> his contract. And so he said, son, I can't really chat because I'm getting on Facebook media. This is what's happening to me. And so I walked away going, well, I, we haven't got the coach that I really loved playing for at the time, and we were all growing up together through him. Um, so then obviously I went to Sydney and uh, my dad and I went up and we really liked what they were offering um, on, on, on many levels. And I, I actually said to Richmond, I'm going to sign. With, with, with Sydney, and and at the time we were managed by the same person, and at the time the the the, the legal proceedings where you couldn't have two uncontracted players leave one club or go to one one other club, and so Stuart Maxwell and I were managed by the same manager. Yes, our paperwork went in on the same day. They AFL stamped Stuart Maxfield's transfer to go to Sydney, and then they went to stamp mine and said can't do it because you can't take two uncontracted players from the one club. Um, and so I stayed at Richmond, but that's that's exactly what happened. How did they decide who was going to stay and who was going to go? Like between uh, In terms of Richmond? Yeah, no, like actually like Stewie Maxie, well, we, like we, when we, they stamped it, like why wasn't it your name stamped or instead of Maxie's? Well, or... well if, if my paperwork was on top of Stuart Maxie's, I would have been in Sydney <laughs> and he'd still be, he'd still be rich. That, that's exactly how it played out. So um, I think I got a call from the manager. He said, guess what? You're not going now. I said, oh, yeah, sure, right. I'll sign, mate. I'm going. We made the call. We've told Richmond. He goes, nah, this is what happened. Oh, um, and so, yeah, yeah, it's a sliding doors moment, isn't it, really? But having said that, um, I, you know, there's still a big part of me that wanted to stay at Richmond. Yeah. There's no doubt. But I was a little bit, you know, your question earlier, I was a bit, oh, hang on a minute, but here's another new coach going to come along. We've just had, that was, you know, John Norley was um, <clears throat> my third. I guess you could add Emmett Dunn was my reserves coach for eight months, so my fourth. I was a bit, well, I just want to, and, and at the time, Rodney Eade had just signed with Sydney. Um you know, the grass always looks green on the other side, doesn't it? So they promised the world in, in a way. And um, and from a financial perspective, it was much, much healthier than what it was at Richmond. So, um, yeah, I, I was mad not to look at it and, and make the decision. Mate, in 97, that was your last year at the Tigers. You played 12 games that year, and you also featured in the club's reserves, Premiership defeating Hawthorne. Despite it not being a senior flag, do you still savour the, the moment at the G on that last Saturday in September winning a reserves flag? That's a great question. I guess as you get older, you go, well, yeah, it was it was it was a VFL premiership, really. It was the reserves. It was the reserves premiership. And I often run into a few guys who played in that team. Um, and it's nice. Um, but I guess when you're a competitor and you want to be playing at the top, it has that feeling of I'm glad I did, and I really enjoyed the day and the final series with my reserves teammates. But yet, at the time you think you shouldn't be playing the reserves footy either. Yeah. So, um, uh, but that's just the reality as you get older as well, mate. That uh, maybe you're slowing up a bit, and maybe that's where you should have been. So, um, you, to answer your question, yes, you do. It's still a flag. It's still yeah. a premiership, and uh, there's still some hard, hard spoils built. Hey, the Geish was your coach in that game as well, and he also was the standing coach for the final few games for Wolsey. As well, um, gee, that must have been a bit of a juggling act for for Geish that 
last part of the season in 97? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I guess it was a good audition for him too to get the senior job the next year by winning the flag in the reserves. So um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know how. I haven't got the numbers on me, mate, but excuse me, probably, you know, seven or eight that played in the reserves moved on that end of that year. So um, it was a good audition for him. He ended up getting the job and um, a few of us were traded out. Um I think the next week, mate. So that we won the flag on the Saturday, and then on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, you're you're all, you're looking at having another jumper on for the next year. So it's not a great time for a player to go through that. Um, it's certainly not, and I'm not quite sure how you make it a good time. Um, but I, you know, with time, I, I hope they have given um, greater consideration to how they do do it, which I think they do. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it's a lot, uh, a lot, a lot better than what it was back when you were running around, mate. The power of your new home in 1998. How did talks begin, and were you open to leaving Tigerland this time around to go over to South Australia? Yeah, I guess so. And, and a conversation with well, the coach had just come in. He didn't see me in his plans um, to play that role that I'd played, you know, for seven or eight, nine years at Richmond. And so I eventually had to look. And Port were a new club. Uh, I think I'd played for 140 games. They wanted someone with a little bit more um, experience than than just the drafted players out of the SANFL that they'd got. Um, I, I think too, um, John Cale was was one of you know if if um, see how your performance goes. But I really want to mentor the the young kids that are coming through the Josh Cars and the the Chad Corns and Nick Stevens and and the Stuart Jews who are on our list that we still think could learn a few things from someone who's. Um, had, you know, almost 150 games at another club. So it made a lot of sense to go to Port. Um, I guess my body broke down a little bit whilst I was over there. I started to get some groin problems, that, that osteoosteitis that was starting to become a name back then and I was one of the first guinea pigs to to go through it. And um, I think I didn't run for eight months in between uh, 98 and the season of 99 just to get it right. So... Um, I thought that was the signs for me, mate, that um, I won't be playing a lot more footy, I didn't think. Was it hard putting on a new jumper? Obviously, Richmond had been a big part of your life, and then to line up and okay. play for Port Adelaide, new jumper, new teammates, was it hard for, for you to sort of settle in, or did it sort of happen quite easily? Um, no, I think John Cale was really good at the time, the administration, new club, they just got it going, but they'd learnt from, uh, you know, being a very, very successful SANFL club. They had... They had the structure in place for having players come over and get them settled and 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 um, make them make them want to love the club and 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 that was sort of the John Cale way. Um, for me, um, I must admit, upon reflection, I did love playing for for coaches that you know you, you really took a shine to, or they took a shine to me. And um, I guess when you get told that's not the case, you you got to move on, and that's what you do. Um, you know, one of the coaches that I did have in '92, but unfortunately, he fell ill was Ellen Jeans. I mean, he was, he'd run through a brick brick wall for him. Yeah. And um, unfortunately he didn't, uh, his health uh, didn't sort of enable him to move forward with, with Richmond. But for me, it was about playing and, and building that chemistry and that connection with, with a coach. And I certainly felt that with John Cale as well. He he was one who um, knew how to push your buttons and, and tried to get the best out of the players that, that, that he coached. And, you know, hugely successful coach in his own right, Coach Collingwood, and probably coached 11 or 12 SANFL flags with the Port Adelaide Magpies. So, yeah. 
Nice. I'm really interested in um, the showdown clashes against Adelaide when you were playing with Port Adelaide. You played in two of them. What were they like to be involved in? Yeah, they were fierce. Um, and, and really, if you haven't been to one, go along. It's um, it's <clears throat> it reminds me growing up in Wangaratta, where it was Wangaratta Rovers versus Wangaratta Magpies at a local like community game. Here, you've got a whole state, and it's if you're a, you don't talk to a crow, or if you do, you you're wary of what what's being said. And um, it's really funny if you go on the shopping strips at a football park at Westlakes, um, which is where the ground used to be. Um, you know, if you if you were seen, uh, you, you'd get a sly comment from a crow supporter. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna know you this weekend. You know, so it was really competitive, and people really prided themselves on on both sides of the fence. And to play in it, it was it was frenetic um, the whole way because every 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 possession is watched and it's talked about in the whole town that week. So uh, yeah, I reckon it makes one of those games where pride is really on the line and. Look, I haven't studied the games in recent time, but you don't see blowouts, really. I mean, if one club's really struggling and one's on top, you might. But I think if you looked over the journey, they are so competitive and yeah. um, they're great to play and They're really, you know, a highlight of um, being involved with the club. Yeah. What was it like playing against the Richmond Tigers in 1998? Was it hard to come up against your old mates because you still had a lot of good friends and a lot of blokes that you played a lot of footy with in that first encounter? Yeah. So what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I probably battled. Yeah, I, I, I must, on the day I battled, I tried to get myself up, and I'm going. It's just, just a normal game. And then all of a sudden, you know, one of my good mates' brothers tackles me and rides me into the ground. I say, "You, you freak! Like, come on, mate, <laughs> hey, mates." But you soon learn that you're not. Once you cross the line, you are for life. Um, but on on the day, um, it was uh, it was competitive. Um, oh, look, you, you get over that in the first quarter, and you're just playing a game of footy, and um, <clears throat> you got to understand that. They're going to tackle you. You're going to tackle them. Um, you're trying to win. You're competitors, right? So um, you just got to ignore in a way that you're best mates with a lot of them. But um, that emotion early, you think, should I, shouldn't I? But then when you get whacked by one of your good mates, you say, well, no, I'm going to whack you back too, mate. So you, you move on. <laughs> you spent two seasons at the Power. That was your last two years in the AFL. Before hanging up your boots, um, how did you enjoy the experience at Port Adelaide? Well, I think, mate, it was a wonderful way to finish your career. Um, I really didn't play much footy after that. Um, so went over there, John Cale played, you know, good footy the first year, was part of it, um, and see the club with its formation. Like I went over in October of 97, which was their start their first year, and um, to see how they we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to put a new facility in. We're, they had all these grand plans that you're thinking, wow, this club's gonna. This club. This club's gonna make it. They're gonna be powerful. I want to be part of it. And don't get me wrong, mate. I, I, I couldn't help the injury. I would have loved being part of the more years than I was there because it just seemed such an exciting time joining the AFL and and taking their success with them. Um, so that was really enjoyable, mate. And and even to go back in '99 and play SANFL footy. One of one of the great things, mate, that um, fellow who was inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame last night, Mark Williams. Um, he, he realised, and he was pretty honest with me, he said at the start, he said, mate, you're not in, you're not in my best 18. You know, I've got all these young kids um, that, that, that are well well ahead of you in my mind. So unless you can convince me, otherwise you're going you're gonna to battle to be in my team. And so that was just the, the complete honesty that he showed me. So what he said to me, he said, mate, the game's just turned professional. Um, I don't mind if you go and um, get a part-time job 
um, and I'll allow you to go and work for, for, for a couple of days rather than being full-time. So I guess his complete honesty and the fact that I knew where I stood, yeah. Um, he then said to me, I want, but I want you to men- mentor these three or four players, um, which I did. And it was really healthy. It was really enjoyable. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to be picked in the 22. Um, I think one week, not 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 to pat myself on the back too much, mate, I went out and had 51 possessions for North Adelaide in the um <laughs> In the uh, in the SANFL at, at Adelaide Oval before it is Adelaide Oval today, which absolutely love playing their great service. So I've, I've obviously strolled in the next Monday. Said Choco, I can't do much more, mate. He said, Well, you got beaten by ten goals, so you're not getting picked because your blokes didn't win. <laughs> and uh, he's very honest and direct, and <laughs> and that's what you love about him as well. Um, but now, it was a wonderful way to to realise that you you're coming towards the end. You've had really decent and honest discussions. And start planning for post footy, and uh, which I did. I went out and worked, and uh, worked two days a week, and, and then transferred. And we just had a, a son in Patrick. He was born at the start of '99, so so family started to become a priority. But was really encouraged that at Port, and they they supported that as well. Which, yeah, I, I would have thought a really good transition for me. Yeah, at the time. In there, Sullivan took the mark. No one stands the mark. He kicks for space into the path of Nash. You can go. Nash on the fifty needed to mark it. Now he's got a problem. Where will he go? Towards the kickoff line, storming up the ground. Is- oh, oh, oh. Run on, it's a goal, or was it touched? It's a goal. He got the all clear. It's a goal to Nash. Mate, at the end of my podcast, I'll do a couple of quick handballs. So just a couple of real quick ones just to finish off our conversation. I've really enjoyed listening to your journey. So I'm going to give you five names. They're going to be four Tigers and one Port Adelaide teammate. I just want a couple of words to describe them. Uh, the first one is a bloke that you know pretty well and I know pretty well from when he had his uh, time down here at the Warrnambool Blues in the Hampton League, the great Scott Fish-Turner. Yeah. Um, oh, I love him, mate. Such a a great fella and and uh, just a loyal character as well. Um, you know, so I often catch up with him um, probably once or twice a year. And, um, yeah, just a loyal character, mate, who, who's so infectious and loved to laugh and loved a good time and, and, uh, yeah, was, was a good footballer in his own right as well. Duncan Callaway, another great defender who was a ripper. Yeah, well, you mentioned that uh, 95 series. I mean... Duncan Galloway could play on to, in today's footy, and he did back then. It, at some stage, you'd see him playing on Brett Allison, um, who's a nippy half-forward for North Melbourne, two-time premiership player. The coach might ask him at half-time to go and play on Wayne Carey and, and, and do the job as well. So he, he was a player, mate, who was so the, the, the highest concentration powers I've seen of a footballer on a football field. Um, if he had a job, he was just in a trance to, to beat him. Did a wonderful job. So I mean, never gets talked about, but such an underestimated player. Um, you know, one of the greatest players I played against was Paul Kelly. He played for the Sydney Swans, and I mean, Duncan Kelly would play on him, and uh, would would have a lot of influence on Paul Kelly not having having a brilliant game like he always did. So yeah, no, underestimated, mate. This one's going to be an interesting one because you spoke about him before about he how he got the rubber stamp and you got the denial. Uh, Stewie Maxfield. Well, he's just a great mate growing up. Like um, when I say growing up, you get to the club and you're under nineties together. You're in the reserves together. You're, you're wrestling in the gym together. You're, you're, your girlfriends and his girlfriend, my girlfriend. I didn't say we had more than one girlfriend. You're going out <laughs> together. You know what I mean? You're, you're having a good time together. And so just a wonderful person. And, um, yeah, look, 
end up being captain of Sydney from a football perspective and probably didn't get the airtime at Richmond, to be honest, like he was on the wing and be flashy and then you'd see him on the bench for a period of time. I don't think he was really pushed enough at Richmond and, and it showed his, his great skill when he, when he went to Sydney. So, yeah, no, a terrific person, Stewie. And the last one, I'm going to give you a Port Adelaide player. Yeah, I would have spent a couple of seasons with this fella, but I reckon he was an emerging midfielder who had a lot of ability. It was Braden Lyle. Yeah, yeah. So obviously it was at West Coast for a year or two before he got to Port, before Port Adelaide start, started. Um, and was really a, a leader because he'd already had experience um, at West Coast. <laughs> Keep in mind, West Coast, 92-94 flag uh, winners, so a successful club, successful program. Um, but, yeah, very diligent, very disciplined. Uh, you could give him a job or you could ask him to go at 35. He'd do it. Um, wonderful runner. Like he, the, the time trials, he'd be up front pushing himself. Uh, so you, I've mentioned a few words on other players. Very hard worker, Braden Long. Yeah. Who's the club mate or teammate that you enjoyed hanging around with the most? And when I speak about hanging around, you know, having a beer, a bit of banter, you know, had some good times with which, which um, you know, Teammate sort of stands out more than any. I think you've had him on a podcast before, mate. Nathan Bauer. <laughs> Bowsy. So one of the funny well, it wasn't just Nathan, because I actually played, yeah, I mentioned earlier, I played a few uh reserves games in 89. Darren Bauer was the captain of the twos when I was when I first arrived at Richmond. Brendan Bauer was in the seniors, and then Nathan Bauer came on the scene in 91. So I'd already had some familiarity with the Bauer boys and and become mates with Nathan. In fact, post-footy, mate, we worked together at the, the non-for-profit with the AFL for probably all seven or eight years. Um, you know, <clears throat> seeing his children grow up, seeing my children grow up. So, yeah, he was he was just a funny bugger. Um, Chris Bond as well. Um, but there's, a, there's someone that could break the mood um, when things were pretty stiff in a club environment when you're on the, couple of, on the hands of a couple of buildings. It was... Was either Brendan Gale with his intellect, who could shatter the room in laughter and just his high end, um, and and such a a funny fella as well, or or, or Nathan Bauer. And um, sometimes when the coaches in, so said those two fellas have the ability to make the coach laugh, which makes them pretty <laughs> special, I think. <laughs> hey mate, you kicked a lot of goals in your time in the AFL. Do you have one that stands out more than any on the top of your head? Ah, oh, look, Trent, there are so many good ones. I don't, mate. So. Just kidding. Um, uh, I, I guess the final series kicking two goals in the second half against Essen was pretty special um, to get them ahead. I, I say that because the roar of the crowd was just phenomenal. Like it was, you know, you couldn't hear yourself. Um, they, they stand out. Um, look, I just love kicking snaps as well. So there's a couple of games but um, <clears throat> against Melbourne and Fitzroy. But uh, no, I, I enjoy, enjoyed kicking any goal, mate, as long as I went through the sticks. And, mate, the very last one is a random sort of question. So no doubt you would have did a bit of boxing in your pre-season and, you know, and training work. You know, is there one teammate that you feared going in the ring with and having a bit of a spa with? And was there one teammate that you enjoyed going knowing, yeah, I can give him a little bit of chin work here just because I know he's not much good at the caper? <laughs> uh, I'll try to answer the first part. So we actually did a, a, a session with um, – we did a pre-season with Jack Rennie, who was the – the boxing coach of um, the great Lionel Rose. And we did it in, Chris Bond organised it. We did it in Marco Polo Street, Essendon, which is around the corner from Windy Hill. And um, so there was Brian Lees, uh, Chris Bond, even Richo come to a few sessions. 
uh, Nathan Bauer, myself, uh, maybe Ben Harrison as well. So, mate, everyone had a longer reach than what I did. So, I, I, I didn't want to go in the ring because you know, talking about that, you know, a half a foot reach on me. So, that's why my nose looks like it does, mate. But the only <laughs> one we had similar was Chris Bond. And so, Chris Bond, here's me, the offensive half forward. You know, did a couple of tackles a game. I'm coming to go. We used to call him Ferocious, was Bondy's nickname. Mate, I had a blood nose within the first 10 seconds and out of the ring. So <laughs> I can't talk much to my boxing attributes, mate. So <laughs> that's how it was. But I must say it was was great fun doing it away from the club and um, built a lot of camaraderie together. It was hard work, but it was, but it was geez, it was fun. Chris Nash, thank you so much for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. Really enjoyed the chat, mate, and uh, all the very best. Yeah, thanks, Trent. Thank you. Pass intercepted by Turner. Turner's hand pass intercepted by Alessio. He went through like a battering ram and lost the football to Knights. Knights now got a hand pass out to Campbell. Campbell swung around on a sixpence and went bang. It's a worm burner, but here comes Harvey. Red Simon's there as well. Tapped on to Nice. Nice, nice, nice. No! That's the end of episode number 75. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. We're on all the social media platforms, so drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter on any particular episode you've enjoyed or a guest you would love to hear. Next week, our guest is former bomber, Saint and Swan, Craig O'Brien. It's tough, it's rugged, it's good, solid AFL football. 